The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by Spark Lab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about Spark Lab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation. Here's your host, Simon Pound. Esports, a big business, with the number of people playing competitive computer gaming and the number of spectators on a wild growth curve. Esports are recognised as sports, with admission to big events, national sports associations and scholarships available to universities and colleges. The prize money is massive. Billion dollar companies are being built just on the periphery. The industry is way bigger than Hollywood. And still, some people are likely to write it off as just being people playing computer games. Well, they are missing the point, and there is a thriving company based here, Let's Play Live, or LPL, the biggest esports competition and broadcast platform in Australasia, with more than 400,000 members in their community. The founder and CEO, Duan Mutu, runs the company from their production studio in the base of the Sky Tower, and he's here today to talk through the industry, the business, his journey, and where esports is going. Tenakwe, thank you for being here. Yeah, kia ora. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Hey, first up, let, 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 let's chat a little bit about kind of the esports um, business because, yeah, like, like I kind of rambled in that intro, it's just massive, hey? It is massive. Um, and so, you know, rightfully said in the introduction, what's really crazy is just how big it is. And it's sort of, I mean, in the last couple of years, it's changed a lot, right? This kind of pop culture of gaming has kind of emerged, but there's still this kind of perception that it's sort of underground and people like, it's just so weird and what do they do? And when we look at the numbers, just generally um, close to 145 billion is the video game industry versus, um, you know, 42 for box office and 20 billion for music. So it kind of puts into perspective how big the gaming ecosystem is. Um, And then even in New Zealand, we look at the numbers. When I got into it, um, you know, five, six years ago, Gemba Independent Company came out and said we had 400,000 esports participants. Um, And we had that data end of last year. It's 1.3 million. Comparatively to something like rugby, our national sport, which we're bred on, is 100,000 players now across all the kids and women. So 100,000 versus 1.3 million in New Zealand. That's how big esports is even in local context. That's wild, eh? And yet there's still that stereotype that it's like teenage boys. 
It is bizarre. Like that's that's why I find it so bizarre. And and often I have these chats, whether it's be the parents, you know, I'm I'm a dad. I've got a couple of kids, right? School age kids. So I kind of see this kind of this perception, or I'm in you know meeting rooms with big CEOs and, and male and females. And they still have the same perception. And then I say to them, okay, so let's break down, like, you know, someone's a speak about it. And I say, so do you have kids? And they're like, yeah, that's all they do. So I'm like, well, well, you know, like they're only ever playing video games. I'm like, yeah, well, yes, they are. And then I say, um, I always just use this great example I say to people. So I say to my wife, are you, are you a gamer? And she's like, no, I'm never a gamer, even though I work in it, right? Like, it's, And she goes, I say, what about Pokemon Go? Like, what happened when you're at the you know, library trying to catch with the kids? Oh, that's different. Right, so there's just—it's truly a perception thing rather than an actuality, um, and I'm not sure. I think it comes from the roots of kind of this. It was all about nerds, and you know, if we go back, um, even in my day, you know, going back um, when it was arcades, and everyone, would, you know, the cool guys would go down the fish and chip shop and play Spacey's, yes. you know, this is Street Fighter and Street off the Fighter, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was just sort of this macho thing about it, right? And then it became this kind of geek thing um, over to the side, and I just think it's kind of, you know, kept that kind of stereotype going and just people can't shake it, right? The parents have grown up to be 40 and 50 and that's all they kind of know is, oh, these are nerds in the basement. It's like, man, come on, there's no way. Everyone is gaming um, and the actual gaming audience is 50% male and female, actually 48% female, 50% male across the globe. So again, just stereotypes. And the big rise alongside the number of people playing games and then the kind of um, the beginning of this competitive league and, you know, big big kind of competitions, is that kind of spectator side, which that's the thing that a lot of people find real hard to put. I mean, you must spend a lot of your life kind of talking to older people who are like going, what do you mean people are watching people playing computer games? <laughs> that's it, right? Could you imagine? Right? So I, I um, my background was I, I worked um, – in action sports for a lot of years. So I came from like a, um, so I'm a traditional guy, generally speaking. So I played a lot of sport at like a, at a high level. So I was kind of, well, you know, I, you know, totally get it, played league 15 years, you know, played all these types of things. That was my bread and butter. Um, and then I worked in action sports. So I'd always surfed and skate. So I kind of was part of these fringe kind of communities. And it was very, you know, show my age here. But back in those days, it was like, oh, that's like some druggy, hippie kids you're hanging out with. Oh, but we like you, Duane, because you're quite good at rugby. <laughs> you know, this kind of um, perception. But the great thing about living in that world of action sports is very similar to esports, right? This kind of youth movement of culture, music, fashion being built up. And if you think about the rise of action sports when it exploded in the 2000s, I actually worked in that industry and was part of that journey. So I sort of saw it from being this fringe thing to kind of what it is today. It's an Olympic sport coming yeah, up, yeah. right? X Games to the Olympic Games. Right. And I saw the, the music drive and, and now, you know, all those things came about. And so I was really, um, you know, lucky to see that, you know. And then I got into making television and I made Garage TV in New Zealand. So that was like a content of action sports, snowboard, skateboarding. We put it on linear television. Um and my other journey was that I spent 10, 12 years on the publisher side of video games. So I was there at the very start of video games. But, um, you know, before we go too back in time, to your point, um, what I was making is, you know, it was cool to make surfing TV or, or content, but people were just like, what are you doing? You're like leaving that to put people play video games on TV. <laughs> like, are you crazy? You know, from my wife to like friends to people in business, like this will never float, right? Like this is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And you got to remember, you know, when we started, we were the third, this is going back six years, seven years when we did the first broadcast. It had only been on linear television in Korea, the home of esports, and it had only been on in um, America once. And then this little old 
um, you know, country New Zealand is actually putting it on our Sky TV, right? Our biggest sports broadcaster. So it was just like this journey of people going, you're absolutely crazy. Why, like, this is never going to float, right? Like, and so, but I was so bullish on it because I understood it for content. And to your point about spectator, what I understood was people are going to consume this content digitally. It's going to come. I had that from the experience of action sports, uh, that experience about gaming and where it had been, having been around it for 10, 12 years. So that wasn't foolish kind of like hope for the best. I really believe that it would become what it has become today um, by doing it. And then I look at it and I think there's an... Um, a great example I always give to people is saying, back to my, you know, the spaces analogy, you know, wherever you lived, right, across the country, from Invercargill, far north, South Auckland, like it was, you knew who was like holding it down in a fish and chip shop. You <laughs> knew who was holding it down at your farms, right? Like yeah. you go in there and you might play and then you get on the main screen at your farms. You know, you remember that big screen? Yeah. It was like, that was, there was like, you know, the other 10 on the side, but the big one was only for the big dogs, you know, the <laughs> people who could really play. And people would come from all of Auckland, and they'd come and they'd just put the money on, on you know, 20 cent, piece, right? 20 cent piece <laughs> and go, I'm up, man. I'm yeah. ready to jam. Yeah. And so people, and you remember, if you've ever seen that, and, and you know, some people that are a bit younger may not understand what that was like. It was like truly watching, like, gods of games. It was no different than sport, watching the best go at each other. And so it's the same thing. Like, that was happening years ago, except for now you don't have to leave your bedroom. You get to test whether that really good dude from your farms is as good as the guy in Australia or the guy who's in Invercargill. And that's really the same perception. We're just broken down the barriers of having to physically be there because of the advent of internet and technology. Other kind of countercultural sports that you were involved with, like the surfing, say, or snowboarding, like they always had little media kind of around them, you know, magazines that you track down and pass between all your mates or like, you know, videos or DVDs or whatever. But with video gaming, I mean, Twitch is such an enormous thing. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of, yeah, as, as you say, you could see the potential if you've got this thing where, um, it, you know, bigger than YouTube kind of growth uh, curve for people streaming versions of them playing video games. Yeah, and Twitch is really interesting. I mean, some people may, I mean, you know, nowadays most people probably understand what Twitch is. You know, it's the purple icon on your TV for those that don't know. Like, click on that and have a watch. But primarily, you're right. I mean, the rise of that company um, to sell off to Amazon for a billion dollars within four years, that's what it was. And primarily, it's a streaming platform that was there to allow um, people who play video games to stream it out to the masses. So it's primarily the first real streaming platform on earth to allow just everyday people to kind of go out there. And I always say to people, it looks like um, if you're unsure about the monetization of that platform, it's really like busking, right? So imagine if all 10 of us could play the guitar and busk, you're either going to like me because you think my personality is good, you might like him because um, he's really funny, you might like her because of, you know, um, she's really skilled or whatever those those bits are. But it's up to the open public to decide how much money you give, what you like. So that's primarily what Twitch is. But what it allowed for is really this, again, you know, referring to this kind of pop culture aspect of video gaming. Because esports is the pursuit of professional gaming. Players being good at a game, trying to take each other on to win a particular video game, team on team or, or 1v1. But what surrounds that is the Twitch kind of um, culture, which allows for you um, or the players to talk about it and really give you um, tricks and tips or just enjoy watching it, um, which again, to your point about, it seems crazy. People go, why would people want to watch that? Well, 
if you're a traditional sports fan, right, so let's just use examples like LeBron James or Tom Brady who just won a Super Bowl right through to, say, um, you know, Richie McCaw and the All Blacks, if you think about sport, we get to watch them at the highest level. They, they participate for 80 minutes, right, 40-40 um, if it's rugby, and that's all you get. Now you might get some social media, and that's a little bit of a, you know, hey, look at me doing a few, you know, things in the gym for 30 seconds. Well, in gaming... You can jump in there for four hours every day to watch your best player, your favorite player, and so you can consume the content all the time. And that's why I always always refer to esports as content consumption more so than actually players playing each other. I mean, anyone who has ever enjoyed test cricket would totally be able to get the concept of, uh, you know, watching a great um, a great esports player playing playing their trade. It's, there's lots of those moments of downtime where you're kind of reflecting on life, the universe, and everything, and talking with your mates and stuff. It's not all action all the time. No, it's it's not all action, and that's and that's what's so great about it. And that's um, and you know, this whole kind of video game aspect about technology is because um, the other thing. It, it creeps into, um, and as parents, you know, have this concern early on that, you know, you've got your kid in the bedroom and, you know, back to your teenage boy analogy, they're sitting there not not doing anything. It's really kind of spooky. Well, it's not really that. It's very social, right? So firstly, even as a streamer, um, you've got all the chat talking to me. So that streamer can go out and talk back like this and go, hey, great to have you here, offer rewards. So it feels very inclusive. And that community may be very large if you're big streamers around the world, you know, where if you're a ninja or a TFU, you might be 100, 200,000 people watching you stream. So though it's large, you feel like you're part of it. And if we look at um, TV as a medium, you know, you listen to the news. That's it. They just dictate that to you down, down the pipe. You don't get to say anything. You're not really engaged. Yeah, you might spin off to a... Um, a social platform, but it's different. That's what makes it so um, inward and outward that you're always part of that kind of that community, and that's the big bit. And and if you think about kids in the bedroom, they can talk to their friends, they can be engaged in that community. Um, no different than I guess back in the day where you had a you first had your telephone at home, you'd ring your friend, or you know, and those types of things. It's just that, but on steroids. So you saw the, these kind of like big trends coming and, and happening. And you were just saying before that people said, oh, you're, you're crazy to leave like this <laughs> this cool setup, you know, uh, uh, um, broadcasting kind of like, um, you, you know, niche sports that people love. What did drive you to do it? And how did you go about actually setting up the company? Yeah, look, you know, I'm one of those people, you know, sometimes I get praised because people go, oh, you know, you must be in this visionary sort of like what you're alluding to. And I always say to people, you know, I think, um, life is sometimes serendipitous, you know. It, it just the right things align, um, and you have to read the tea leaves more so than actually kind of. And I'm sure there's great visionaries, and there are on earth. I've met them, and and you know we all have. But um, I sort of see it as an advent of that journey, right? So, you know, going back to that journey around action sports, um, having spent 12 years in video game, you've got to remember that, you know, when I got involved in video gaming. I fell into that. I, I got in there because someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, "You, corporately speaking, oh, you could probably be all right because you've done, you've been working in action sports, so you must know about youth culture." And so when I went through that journey, I was there at the start of video gaming as an as a true industry for what it became. I was there when the Nintendo GameCube launched. I launched um, discs when they came on. We went from, you know, one brand, you know, Activision, THQ, to becoming a company that you know, sold the biggest games in the world. And I was there demonstrating video games and I became the head of a division, right? And so within that 
that journey, I totally was in the inner sanctum of video gaming, how they commercialize, what it, what it looks like, um, truly deeply involved in that community um, at a commercial level, understanding the monetary, understanding the brand awareness, how we drive things. I would gone to 13 or 10 E3, it's the biggest gaming expo on earth. So I really understood gaming innately because I did it for so many years. And yeah, you're right. Then I end up getting into um, making TV and then that's all cool. Like you said, it's like, this is what I'm going to do. It's like I'm back into that game after really being corporate and gaming. And I, and I love the industry of gaming. I always have um, because it was always so fun and so vibrant and um, and all those types of things. So it never left me. And, you know, we always have a joke in the industry that, you know, like you just can never get out of gaming. You just It just never leaves you. And all of us who have gone through from those years are all still within the sector around the globe. Um, and so then I have the studio, right? So you've got a guy who understands um, – the industry, someone who now knows how to make content, generally speaking with, you know, a great team, and I had a studio. And so we get tapped on the shoulder um, by Sky TV and they said, do you know how to, you know, make gaming? Because they'd seen the ESPN, like make e-gaming. You know, no one calls e-gaming. It's like, um, yeah. You know, and you got to remember, like you said, is I'm, I'm doing snowboarding events and we're doing surfing. It's like, yeah. And they didn't know that I had that background. So I, I obviously took it in and said, yeah, what are you looking at doing? As, as any good businessman would, you talk respectfully, you, you work it out later, right? Like the good ones always work it out later. <laughs> so yes, you never, find a yes, way. yes, you say yes and you find a way. <laughs> so Sky says to me, you know, we think we want to get into it. I said, oh, I'm sure we could do sort of a um, pre recorded thing. Like that's how it's going to go down. Like an ultimate fighter, we could get these teams in, we'll film it and we'll, we'll edit it for you. They're like, no, we want it live, like live sport. And I said, you. You realize that no one on earth has really done. There's no there's no manual. Like no one knows there's internet problems. How do you get the servers? Like how do you pull this together? Like, and you know, I'm saying this without saying it to them, but I'm going, this is just crazy stuff. Um, but I just wanted them to take a little bit of risk, which is you give us the channel, understand that there could be some some problems um, technically, but we're good. I'll make it happen. And so I rang up some people I knew, which again was really lucky because I had that background. So I wasn't going cold and we pulled off something called the NZGC, which was the New Zealand Gaming Championship all these many years ago and some great sponsors. And we did like this monster 10-hour broadcast on a pop-up channel on Sky, like literally like the middle of the day. No one ever probably watched that. It was just like crazy, No, like thinking back about it. But from that, that was like, you know, sort of part of the light bulb um, moment, but the evolution of it had already kind of rippled, right? Instead of people, sometimes you throw the pebble in the pond and you don't know where the ripples are going to go. So it's always got to be yes, and that's an entrepreneurial mindset. It's always, so I'll point, say yes and work it out later, and you don't know what a door, you've got to open doors. And when you open a door, then you get to see some more doors. So you have to jump through the door. The fear for a lot of people is not going through the door because it's nice to sit there, back to our original point. It's nice to sit there and, in my world, do surfing events. I know it's comfortable. I go home to my wife and kids. That's an easy life. But I ain't going to get you, you know, further if you really want to push and, and challenge yourself as a, as a person. So that was me. And that's always me. So I was like, let's go. Then we did it. And the ripples are happening. Next second, people started reaching out like, are you guys the guys that did the first broadcast? And it was like, you know, remember you're still doing surfing and people were starting to hit you up. And then it was like, okay, we've got to really focus on doing this if you're going to be serious. Because again, the other point is, if you do something, and my belief is always if you do something, you I'm 120%. I mean, you've met me now, right? This is, I'm like this at four in the morning. I'm like this at, you know, <laughs> at midnight. I'm just, it's only one yeah. way. It's 120. And I have to believe it because I'm the one driving the, the ship always. So I'm like, once I pivoted away from that world of action sports again, I was all in. 
And then it was about how do we get going. So it was serendipitous. It was the fact that I felt that I had a lot of skills and ultimately one door gave me the chance. It It was slightly ajar and I just ran through it with that kind of educated assessment of the risks. Kia ora, I'm Sophie. And I'm Simon. And I'm Alice, and together we host the spin-off's food podcast, Dietary Requirements. Join us each month as we explore a vast culinary landscape, from the gourmet... Ooh la la. ...to your more hearty tucker. Kiwi onion dip, anyone? Everything's on the table in Dietary Requirements. Subscribe wherever you listen to all your other favourite podcasts. And how did you go about building up, like, you know, it's, it's now the biggest platform in Australasia for, for, for streaming and broadcast and, uh, you know, 400,000 um, members in the community, which is really, really amazing, like, um, users. Like, how did you go about building up the service? And kind of how do you describe the services that you offer at the moment? Like, what, what, what are the things that Let's Play Live does? Yeah, so Let's Play Live is now a, let's say it's an eSport media company. So we're a mix of an agency, traditional kind of media agency, we're a tournament organiser, like a sports league, NRL or or NBL or something, Um, and then we're also the broadcast all rolled in one. So we're kind of Sky Sports or Fox Sports. So that's what we are. So when we say esports media, so we are the ones who set the games, we allow for the best players, uh, individual games, right through to teams, and we've wrapped that around, and then we take that opportunity and, and wrap it in a broadcast package that looks like sport. And that's an eSport kind of um, world. We've got commentators talking about it, best players playing, prize money on offer, and then we distribute that across various platforms. Twitch primarily we talked about, but equally onto linear. Um, And then, of course, that's the the really pointy end of the triangle. Like if you refer to traditional sport, people go, I get that, that makes sense. But for us in gaming, what we want to do at Let's Play Live is also allow for the bottom part of the triangle, those who are coming through those who are not ready for it or may never get there. And, you know, we all wish to be an all-black, potentially in New Zealand. Um, I certainly thought, yeah, I'll play a bit of rugby and be an all-black one day. But the reality of that is that it's a 1% of the 1% that will make it. So how do you look after the kids and how do you look after the, the just the social players? Because there isn't any infrastructure at the time. So we have a platform that allows you to jump in, test out gaming in a competitive environment, um, and that, that's an open division. And you start to work your way like a ladder system. So you may still have fun for many, many years on the platform in sort of a third division with you and your friends, but you do have the opportunity to get to the very top, which will open up world pathways, large prize pools, and, of course, you know, um, I say fame and glory on on the reach of being on our platforms on Twitch and Channel 7 and Sky TV. So that's what Let's Play Live is. Um, and that was an... And evolution, you know, the question I think was around how do we how do we get there? So we we you know went about the fact that and and it's easy to sit here now when you can Google everything and go there's esports everywhere. When you're sitting in my shoes six years ago, there was not a, like remember we're the first to do this linear broadcast. There is absolutely no blueprint. There's not even a Google a Reddit thread that tells you how to do this now. So then you go, how do we build? Like, what's the first step? So we went and thought, we're going to do tournaments. That's the first. We're going to make them like a singular event, like a music event, and we're going to pick a video game, we'll get the rights to that video game, and we're going to put it on. And we're going to allow people to come, we're going to find a broadcaster, we'll put some sponsors in it, and we'll find the best teams and players within that particular game. And so we went about doing that. And one of the things I thought was really, has worked out to be very, you know, 
really good in later years is I always believed that New Zealand was too small a market as far as five, you know, a nation of five million back then it was a little bit less. And the esports market would be about 10% of that. You know, that's what my kind of belief from having come from gaming was always like, I think there's probably hardcore market of about 10% of that market if we're lucky, which again, again, we backed that up in time. So I was probably probably on on the money there, but I realized that the real reach would come from traditional media and the real reach would come from this kind of destigmatizing what is the perception. So I went straight away to Jim Doyle at the NRL in the second event we did, and Jim Doyle was the CEO of the Warriors, as in the rugby league team. I knocked on his door and I said, like truly knocked on his door, I said, hi, I was going to get it. <laughs> hey, you don't know me, um, but I know that a lot of your players, Manu and all these guys, play video games. He said, and he's a really respectful businessman. A lot of time for Jim Dore just from the way he, he obviously took it, took the punt. Um, and he goes, I said, what I really need. So I'm doing this event and I said to him, um, what would be great is I know the guys play and I'd really love them. We're going to be on Sky Sport. It'd be really great if you could give us six of the players to back up each of the teams. So we'll let the players play, but no one knows who they are. And we'll put Manu as the captain of these and he was like, again, one of those points, like, you got to be kidding. Like, are you serious? Like, who is this guy? Like, knock on the door. But in a nice way, like, oh, I'm not sure this is good. Like, explain this to me. And so then I had to do a bit of a sour job and said to him, look, you know, the guys play a lot. Or if you could just ask them whether they're keen on gaming. And, of course, I was hoping and, and praying to a point that he would ask them, and he did. And all the and all the Warriors guys were like, my intel was good, right? 16 of them played this video game. And so they were like, Oh, yeah, like, because you got to remember these guys are locked in their own little worlds, which is they play a lot of video games. All the athletes do, and I've seen them all now over the years. But at that point, I just punted, and they were like, yeah, 16 of us play that game. We, we do it after training. So Jim goes, rings me back and goes, hi, what would you like? Yeah, so we, we'd love to help you. The guys really like it. Um, you know, they're, they're into it, and, and that will help some of their media outlets kind of thing. So we put them in there as these kind of pseudo-captains. And so it was a great way to, again, start this kind of journey. We got a lot of blowback. Because the community, the community of gamers were like, this is ridiculous. Like, who are these sports people? Like, this is not right. So people didn't like my strategy. So it was more a strategy play. But it helped break down walls that, that have obviously now helped us evolve into the world that we see today, both locally. And that was the first bit. Um, Emily, I gave Jim Doyle just to end that. I did give Jim Doyle a nice bottle of wine I found out from him. Because he's all here, he heaps of money, he doesn't need me. But I said to the receptionist, what is it that Jim would like? Like, is it something, I've got no, I don't have the money, but I've got to, I've got to say thank you. So I gave him a nice bottle of wine. And actually, a um, good friend of mine at Sony, I asked him whether he could, um, for the guys who helped us out, whether he would give us some, some packs. Because I always, that's another thing in, in business, you know, people listening is, you know, don't be a taker, you know, give, give forward and you don't know, again, that ripple effect. You don't know what that means, but obviously someone did something really nice and I think it, the least you could do. And later on, and we'll come back, you know, to the podcast, but I think these stories are all intertwined to a point, is Jim Dore ends up being obviously at the NRL, the head of the NRL. And so two years ago, Let's Play Live, I was in there trying to do a deal with the NRL to kind of do this big event. Jim Dore's in there and pushes me through and so LPL ends up, um, you know, partnering with the NRL builds a huge 100-seat gaming um, outdoor arena that we did outside of ANT Stadium for the NRL Grand Final. And that deal only happens because Jim Doyle says, oh, no, you can trust this guy. We've done business with him. He's a good guy. And maybe he liked the bottle of wine, yeah. oh. a $15 bottle of wine I got for Woolworths well, or whatever well, it was. No, it happened because you knocked on his door. 
Yes, that's why. That's right. Yeah, of course, of course. So you got to, you know, you follow yeah, the journeys. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, like I said, so you got to be brave and you got to back yourself. So that's the, and of course, you know, that's how the, the the train of motion started with Let's Play Live and how you see it today, which is our linear broadcast opportunities, working with the All Blacks and NRL, which is this kind of mainstream, right through to working with the core communities, um, because of our background. And that's sort of, you know, in a nutshell, the the LPL business. And a lot of the kind of, you look at those things like the NRL or the NBA that you mentioned, like the NBA are kind of backfilling themselves to get to the model you've got, where now the best place to watch all of the action is on NBA Live. Like it's on their own uh, NBA Pass. It's not through um, cable or terrestrial or any of those things. And that kind of um, uh, be, being the content and also the network is is, is so the, the future there. T- tell me also about... Um, Sky City, because you've got a pretty unique production studio. Hey, it how, is. how did that come about and what's the link? Yeah, so so we went, um, you know, as we're going through that journey and you know, um, continuing on from that, ultimately, like every business, you get to a point in time about what does growth look like, right? And so growth is either you are just naturally developing that or you need some in- investment. You know, primarily it's either strategic partnership and investment or a mix of both of those pieces. And so... Um, we went to, um, you know, to market, you know, not as in a proper way because at that point we're just sort of this kind of startup. People have still got that perception, you know, looking back sort of many, many years ago. Um, what are you? But we'd just done enough in the media. We'd done enough with kind of, you know, people really starting to have a look sideways that, oh, this is really interesting. And esports itself was bubbling along. So we went to, we had a few partners both as in VC Money and, and others going, yes, we, we want to get involved with this. Um, and Sky City... We had actually held the final of, I think, the third event we did at Sky City Theatre. So we had a natural relationship there. And then Sky City, rightfully at the time with the innovation team, um, they don't have that department anymore, but they did back then, was about how do we diversify from the traditional aspects of um, the casino operation? Um, They also understood that the future for all casinos is obviously going to be online. And they also understood that, you know, most casinos, although we always think about the wagering aspect of it, is really about F&B and um, also about accommodation and then attractions. And you start to see that with Sky City now. They've got the All Blacks and Weta and they've got Sky Tower and they've got accommodation and they've got, you know, F&B. And ultimately they've got the wagering aspect. So they that's when you look at you go, okay, that starts to make more sense because as a – as an event company, primarily a tournament operator and a new media content that can attract young audiences, they were like, this is good. And so for us, we both realized that that's a great partnership, both as far as trying to get some capital in the business and also to open up all those facilities to allow, uh, what we really wanted was for our players to feel like the All Blacks or the Breakers, and they had partnerships with with those um, particular groups, Uh, uh, so do we. And what we wanted was if a team flies over from Australia, Remembering that it had been really grassroots, this kind of community land events that like pay yourself, stay on your friend's floor. We wanted them to come to LPR and go, wow, we're going to turn up. We're going to have F&B for you. You're going to stay in nice you know, accommodation and then you're going to participate. And we're going to try to grow the industry that way. Um, so it was kind of a, you know, a win-win. But the big thing that we really pushed for was trying to get access to a really iconic location inside Sky City. We didn't want to be like, dropped into the basement and built out. And so if anyone has ever been to Auckland or they're not kind of familiar with the Sky Tower, like it's obviously the main attraction and it really is um, the iconic needle, um, there is nothing, there's no branding on the Sky Tower. They, they've never allowed that. If you look at the very top, 
It's where the uh, the restaurant is, and it's where you have the viewing platform. And so if you just look up from the street, you will see our decals. It says LPL Esports Studio. So even just having that branding is amazing. And we're the glass boxes that are um, off ground level. We, we wrap around that iconic facility. And inside that is a multi-million dollar broadcast facility. Um, so it's sort of like what we are here. We have broadcasting um, rooms. We have our player areas, which have, you know, the couple hundred thousand dollars worth of gaming equipment for the best of the best in the region, right through to where our presenters come, where our streamers can come. And it's a private facility and we have the ability to broadcast across the globe on any platform. And so that's um, how it kind of came about. And it's put us in good stead because sometimes in business um, – Someone had once said to me, I, I didn't really want it. I'll be honest about it, right? Like, so I, I wasn't, I wanted the thought of that, but having been around traditional TV, I realized that studios are primarily box like. You know, if you think about Sky or people might have seen Maori television in this country, they're big boxes, and that's for a reason. So you can get camera angles and shots. It just allows for a better kind of setup. The sky, for us, it's a unique curve, and the sky tower's <laughs> in the middle, right? Like, a, it's a donut. A, it's a donut. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as cool as it was and actually is now, but, you know, looking back whether you should take the space, I was kind of wanting a box and I'm like kind of going, this is not that good. But someone's, you know, rightfully said to me, I'll tell you, in the future you can always have a box. If you become that successful, you'll get a box and you can have your box wherever you want, you know, a box studio. But you will never get the opportunity to be in New Zealand's most iconic structure. And I believe that will be, you know, um, you know, keep you in good stead. And, and as mo- when, when that clicked to me, I was like, actually, they're, they're dead right. That will be the one thing globally that people will know us for. It's a real legitimacy thing, eh? It's like, where are you, you know, oh, Sky Tower, oh, near, no, no, in, the Sky Tower. In the Sky Tower, right? <laughs> and around the world. Now, and you heard of it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's right. And so later on, so, so, so I could have been in the basement in this yeah. way better, what well, I'd say better. But you're right, it's just a legitimacy thing. People can walk and, and you can look up and actually see it in the most iconic structure. And when I've gone around the world, interestingly, you know, as esports has grown, a lot of the amount of people who have said to me, oh, like Americans, and oh, you're the, you guys are the guys, and this is a bad American action, I apologize, but you know, that kind of like, hey, you know, you guys are the guys in the needle, right? Like, that's you guys, that esport company. And it's those little things that have, um, all these little bits that have helped push, push the tide along. But yeah, that's how it kind of came about where we are. That, that Sky City link as well, like, there feels to me that there are heaps of parallels between esports and poker. Like, you know, the World Series of Poker, um, the poker tournaments that are held in those kind of day-long things, the fact that there's stars, but there's also um, the kind of leagues that people can come up through to kind of get to those big events, um, the fact there's lots of spectators, uh, and the fact that people were like, well, why why are people watching that? It's people playing cards. You know, there, there, there's heaps of links there. And they also have a relationship with casinos where they're kind of an attraction at a casino, but it's one of the only games in the casino, one of the only things there where you kind of win or lose depending on what you take into it. And it isn't always, it's against other people. It's not kind of stacked against you. That's right. It's actually, you know, you've got to do the best on what you're given, right? So the mm. game will give you certain things. And, and your analogy, it's poker. And, and ours, it's a, you know, it could be called a junior league of legends. And, mm. and you're right. You've got to take what it gives you, both the players against you and the actual game. Um, and you're right, there's a lot of parallels between all of that. And so if you think about F&B, attraction, think about the games itself, um, and then, of course, um, you know, the wagering aspect that has just, you know, started to kind of bubble along, which was always there to a point, but now it's obviously legitimised in New Zealand, um, that will add a layer. But everyone kind of, not everyone, but there's a lot of people um, had said, oh, that, that was the natural reason why Sky City got into it because of wagering on esports. 
But going back five years, absolutely. I mean, no one, you wish for the future or maybe, but business isn't done like that. Sky City didn't go, oh, we're going to get into it for forever and hope that one day it's, it's waging on. No, they truly got into it for the reasons we're talking about, which is um, F&B, youth market, and, you know, diversifying their audience and, and how they, you know, digify what they're, what they're doing. Having made the jump into this kind of growing growing space and one that you really loved, like what advice would you have for entrepreneurs who, um, you know, can see that there's an opportunity somewhere and even when people are saying, maybe people who don't know as, as well the area are saying you're crazy, like what would your advice be to people? Yeah, I mean, and and truly take this, you know, from someone like me, right? Like this is what people have seen, of course, a lot of people, if you Google, um, you know, I do a lot of media and, and that's the glamour of it or, or you see me me and LPR associated with these big kind of pseudo brands, you know, talk about All Blacks and around, wow, you know, we've got 660 in the studio. That's all great, but but that journey has been tough, more so than other journeys I would suspect. Every journey is tough, but when you have something that has never been built, you know, one, when you have the media that is against you, so every time I'd go on the media, people were, like, people were laughing at me across, like, on live television and live radio going, like, giggling to themselves, you know, from Hillary Barry, you know, joke, chuckling, you know, all these types of things. And, you know, not against Hillary, but I'm just saying, you know, that was just their perception. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're taking those shots personally. Like, people are just shooting at you. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, you know, I have, I've had um, examples early on where when I was on the news, you know, my wife um, is working um, in, a, in a practice. She's, you know, in, in the medical profession. And some lady, people start to recognize my name and, oh, you're with that guy. Most of it's positive, but people had a crack at her. I'm so, you should not be married to someone like that. This is ridiculous. He's actually corrupting kids' minds. Like, this is horrible. So this is, so it's almost like that whole, you know, you're literally on this bit where you're just taking shots more than you are getting wins. And so the reason I'm sort of alluding to that point about, you know, for entrepreneurs out there is, trust me, I'm taking it, I took it from every angle, right? Like all the way. And of course, um, my validation now is not about me personally. It's about having a chat to you. You know, you're not, you know what esports is. You, you've seen all the stories. Everyone kind of knows it's a legitimate kind of piece. And I'm really thankful for that. But I've taken those shots. And so what you have to understand is, um, if you're going to go and do this, to my earlier point, is the journey is going to be rocky but it's about can you see over the hill? In other words, if you believe that you're going to do X, and that and that might be in fashion, it might be in, you know, buying a business, you know, like let's say it's a house, right, a really easy analogy. If your belief is that you're going to get that house and you're going to develop it and sell it, well, first you've got to buy the house and now you've got it and then you've got to get all these trades in and you don't really know because you pull up the drainage and it's way worse than it was once done, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like you're going to have problems. And it's when those problems come, it's can you stay the course and can you stay clear on what your actual overall vision is? And then if you know that and you're 100% committed to that, then you stay unwavered because you will get people telling you no from from even your closest um, friends, family, business partners, former business partners, they're going to say this is not going to happen. And if, and that's where you've just got to be brave and true to the, the cause. Um, and that's one. And always be positive because people like positive people. <laughs> like if you can't be positive about <laughs> what you're trying to achieve, then no one's going to turn around and believe you and jump on the wagon, right? Because what you're trying to do is collect enough people on the wagon on the bus and you're the bus driver to get the journey and open up more doors. Um, and so that's what I said to people is, you know, be brave in business, know what the ultimate vision is. There's going to be bumps and it'll move you around. Um, and never be too proud to um, 
to change, you know, like as in if you think the vision was there but it slightly moves and it's the right thing, you've got to be adaptable and you've got to be able to move because I couldn't see – I had a vision as we've talked about but absolutely that looks different than what it looks like today sitting here with you and I would have done different things but it's all part of the journey but ultimately we kind of got to the end of the road albeit slightly, slightly different. And as a final thought – like, what will success be for you as the, the company's going great? You've got great partners on board. It's this re- really big growing industry that people are, are starting to recognise. You as part of the um, association have got um, the esports actually recognised as a sport by the national sports body. Like, it's, it's kind of coming into its moment. And, um, yeah, like, what, what are your, 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 your dreams for it? And what will success be for you as a business and personally in the space? Yeah, so, um, yeah, firstly, as it, like, some of the success has been validation and, you know, that's that's just success for everyone within the industry. You know, I feel like I'm batting for many people. I don't even know who some of those people are. I'm just batting for everyone. And to your point about the recognition, people told us that, you know, I spoke in front of Sport New Zealand and almost got laughed off the stage by all the big power bodies saying this will never be a sport. And then, as you've pointed out, we got um, recognised as a, an official sport in May. So eSports is, you know, New Zealand is recognised as a sport by Sport New Zealand and the government, and it's the only Western democracy to do so. That's so far. awesome, man. Phenomenal, right? And so that's historic. So even if I, you know, float off, in the, I'm like, I'm really thankful to that, and I, that's something that will help with funding, it'll help at schools, it'll help with community groups, it'll help this kind of sector grow. That's historic, and, I, and I'm very proud of that kind of journey. So that is some sort of success, but the job's not done. And so my bit is about what does success look like? Like for me as a business, I believe that we can, and we've proven already to that point, is that we can be a globally um, recognized brand within the space. And by doing that, like for me, money is a byproduct of success, right? If you And some people are driven by money. Lots of people driven by money. I've never been driven by money. I'm driven about the pursuit of finishing what you started and the rest will come. So in other words, I'd much rather have a business that can, um, of course, there's commercial realities and all that. But ultimately, it's about now we've done LPL, can I make this big in Southeast Asia, US, Europe? And everyone will know it's a New Zealand company. They may not know my name, but it's one where the kids can truly recognize it as a brand in esports. And I see that in New Zealand already. People know LPL. They don't know me, but kids, I hear my kids at school talking about tournaments they're in and those types of things. That's success. Taking a New Zealand um, company to the world and knowing we're from New Zealand. And then that opens up pathways for people around the world and Kiwis to kind of get into this tech space. Um, That's success. And then for me personally, um, there are so many opportunities in esports that need to be fulfilled. You know, it's it's so um, nascent still where we think about sport. There's, you know, well-being, there's health, there's teams growing, there's more pop culture. And so I just want to be part of stuff that can grow that entire industry. Um, and ultimately being, you know, half Māori um, and, you know, being – I'm getting older now, but, you know, being relatively young, I really see that as part of – I want to be um, able to help that next generation. I start to do some of that now. Like we want to see um, the youth. I want to see Māori in those deprived areas, you know, if it's Kairaia, um, you know, in places like that where you don't have to come to Auckland. Tech and esports should be a vehicle for which you – sure, you're going to be a player maybe, but ultimately there's way more around the sector than being the player. Um, and we want. I want to be able to, you know, set up the infrastructure and the pathways and the ability for people to be able to get – good incomes, good living circumstances in those areas and parts of New Zealand that need 
need to basically be uh, positive and, and find money and by not moving to big cities. Um, and that's, that to me would be success in the long term and trying to be part of that journey. So cool, man. I can't wait to see you make that happen. Thank you today for uh, coming and sharing your story. That's the CEO and founder of Let's Bay Live, Duan Mutu. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much again. And thank you for everyone for listening. Ah, kia ora. Thank you to John Pierce for producing. And thank you very much for having us along. Cheers. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by the spin-off, and Callahan Innovation. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.